The motion prevails. The House stands adjourned. Signe die. And with that, Minnesota lawmakers have officially completed their work for 2019, sending a $48 billion two-year budget deal to Governor Tim Walz for his final approval. Good morning. I'm Tom Hauser. It took a marathon one-day special session to finalize that massive budget. At one point, there was concern lawmakers would need the entire weekend to get it done. Callan Gray takes a closer look at the big items each side had to give up to reach that agreement. Here we are, uh, the end of a long legislative session. Minnesota lawmakers worked through the night and into Saturday morning, finalizing a budget that includes a middle-income tax cut and more education funding. It leaves out the gas tax and license tab fee increases Governor Walls pushed for. We have a DFL majority House and a Republican majority Senate, and so... The bills are going to be a compromise. There's no other way to get this done. Including the health care provider tax, which will drop from 2% to 1.8%, but will be made permanent. The sickest Minnesotans will pay the bill. It's bad public policy. In exchange, Democrats agreed to keep the reinsurance program meant to lower health care premiums. This is a bad policy. We should not be doing it. But it's compromise. Divided government is very difficult. Republican Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka spent days ahead of this special session behind closed doors negotiating with Governor Walls and DFL House Speaker Melissa Hortman. If you look at how we funded education or natural resources and clean water or just kind of each each of the budget areas. I think most people feel pretty good about that. And in a statement, Governor Walls went on to say Minnesota is showing the rest of the nation that Republicans and Democrats can still find compromise and work together to get things done. But in the House, the session closed with criticism. We had the least transparent and least productive session in state history. Republican House Minority Leader Kurt Dowd calling out those closed door meetings. We need to figure out how to do it better. This session was a failure. Callan Gray, 5 Eyewitness News. The governor plans to sign the budget bills into law in the coming days. Some legislation, like the gay conversion therapy ban, the Emergency Insulin Act, and a $500 million bonding bill did not pass but are expected to be on the agenda again next year. As we've seen many times at the Capitol, debates can ignite over previously non-controversial items. Let's take the transportation bill, for example. On the last night of session, a debate erupted over a $650,000 study of extending the North Star commuter rail line from Big Lake to St. Cloud. A Democrat from St. Cloud defends the need for the study and extending the line, but the Republican who represents Big Lake says ridership is so low the average rider gets subsidized $54 per day or more than $14,000 per year. Members, I would rather suggest that we lease every rider a Lexus and then crush it at the end of the year and lease them a new one. We'd save money. Members, because St. Cloud is a regional center, because we have uh, four colleges and universities, College of St. Benedict, St. Cloud State, St. Cloud Tech, and St. John's University, uh, this is a project that is supported by the local Chamber of Commerce because of what it's going to do to create jobs and support our businesses. That's a pretty inexpensive Lexus, by the way. Ultimately, that bill did pass, including the commuter rail study. 
With the passage of the public safety budget bill, the Minnesota Department of Corrections will get 78 new officers over the next two years. This comes following the deaths of two officers on duty last year. As Jay Coles tells us, the corrections commissioner wanted to hire 120 new officers, but says this is a big step in the right direction. Assaults like this at Oak Park Heights Prison last February are a grim reminder of the record-setting violence against corrections officers statewide in all of 2018. This officer's injuries forced him into early retirement. Later in 2018, Stillwater Officer Joseph Gom and Oak Park Heights Officer Joseph Parisi died in the line of duty after encounters with inmates. The push to bring on more officers followed, and now the state will begin hiring 78 new officers. Those 78 officers are going to go a long way toward helping improve the safety of our prisons. DOC Commissioner Paul Schnell tells me it's a huge victory to get the new officers, but says prison reform for inmates is also needed to make prisons safer. It's education, it's access to recreation, it's um, access to work and developing work skills, treatment. Uh, all those things are critically important to maintaining the safety and security of our prisons. Schnell says a change in the inmate segregation policy for prisoners who assault officers is also coming soon. He says it will increase solitary confinement from 90 days to up to a year. And a new law was also just approved requiring prison wardens to report any inmate segregation which lasts more than 120 days to the DOC commissioner and lawmakers. Representative Nick Zerwas authored the bill. For the first time, puts requirements in to report back to the legislature the use of administrative segregation and the use of solitary confinement. Jay Coles, 5 Eyewitness News. Commissioner Shell Schnell says after Governor Wall signs the public safety budget bill, the new hiring will start after July 1st. The top three priorities are more officers for Oak Park Heights, Stillwater, and Faribault prisons. A few other notable budget items to point out. The tax bill uses nearly $500 million from the budget reserve to balance the spending budget. It includes a middle-income tax cut, and it doubles the standard tax deduction to conform with the federal tax code. And the state government finance bill approves more than $6 million in federal money for election security. It was made available to states through the Help America Vote Act. Lawmakers opted not to change a law requiring the Secretary of State to give voter lists to the state's major political parties identifying who voted in which presidential primary. There are concerns about voter privacy and who could access that data. One bill Governor Walls signed into law this week seeks to curb the opioid epidemic in Minnesota. It will charge pharmaceutical companies fees to pay for opioid addiction programs totaling about $20 million per year. It's been a passion of Representative Dave Baker of Wilmer. His son died of an overdose, and he recounted the night he and his wife got the phone call. We had to tell our children, Olivia and Alex, about their older brother, Dan, who wasn't coming home, and how they rallied to us. They hung on to mom and dad so much that it, uh, it just carries you. And it was, these are our kids. And they were busted, and they were broken, and they were heartbroken. I think today is one of my most proudest days to be a legislator. There have been days I have not been proud. Some of the money would pay for grants to fund prevention strategies to cut opioid deaths and overdoses. The rest would reimburse counties for child protection costs resulting from families being hurt by the opioid crisis. 
The registration fees would end once the state recovers at least $250 million from settlements with drug makers. A bill that will create a rare disease advisory council also passed the legislature during the regular session. Lawmakers passed the non-budget related bill before Monday's deadline. It will establish a council at the University of Minnesota focused on increasing access to life-saving treatment, research, and technology for Minnesotans living with rare diseases. One of the founding schools in the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference is being kicked out. The University of St. Thomas will have until 2021 to leave the conference, which is made up of 13 Minnesota Division III schools. Joe Mason has more on what this means for the future of St. Thomas and what has become a very successful athletics program. Brady throws, end zone, oh, it's caught! Touchdown! Tom Terrific built a winning tradition for the New England Patriots. Many Tommies have built a winning tradition at the University of St. Thomas. The school has a lot of heavy hardware in their trophy case to prove it, but now the school has become a victim of its own success. Just a little shocked, I guess. MIAC, the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, announced they will be removing St. Thomas. Presidents of other schools said there wasn't competitive parity within the conference across many sports. They stated St. Thomas has not violated any rules and leaves the conference in good standing. We're not apologetic at all for the success that we've had. Tommy Athletic Director Phil Esten says in the last five years, the school has won more than half of the conference titles. Leaving MIAC wasn't their idea. Where they're going next, they have no idea. We're looking at this as, as much as this is the first day of what's next, more than this is the last day of, of the MIAC for us. And so we'll begin immediately taking a look at what all our options might be. Got locked in now, laser focus. Just like Touchdown Tom, Tommy's hope their school continues its winning ways in a new conference. I know they'll make the best decision that they can for our students and for our athletes. And I mean, yeah, we'll make the best with what we've got. Joe Mazin, 5 Eyewitness News. As Joe said, the University of St. Thomas doesn't know what conference it will go to just yet, but it does have some options and it would need to be formally invited by whatever conference they end up in. Coming up, Annette Meeks and Ember Reshkot Young will be here for political analysis. And abortion rights advocates gather at the state capitol and across the country this week the attention they're drawing to a wave of restrictive new abortion laws.